right, it's good to have you back in today for another episode of the Idea Collision. I'm your host, Andrew Green. Uh, I'm a minister at the Waukesha Church of Christ. I'm a volunteer at an uh, organization called Healing Hearts, which is a a grief support ministry. And I've talked about that. And uh, occasionally we'll go through some things that kind of dovetail with that. Well, actually, one of those will be today. We have finished up uh, our opening kind of for this pat- podcast has been a kind of an eight or nine episode discussion of the concept of truth. I think it was important to establish truth, uh, the discussion of how we discuss it, how we come to it, how we got to the opinions about truth that we have. In fact, we're going to go back to that a little bit uh, to, to jump off from that concept and talk about um, uh, some of the some of the consequences of that. And um, as we go through some of the, the, the personal things that happen, we, we opened up with a discussion. The first couple of uh, topics that we discussed were like, like a discussion of how we get from one generation to another, the things that generations do that impact the, the following group of people. And uh, th- that's why we began from truth, um, I think, to, to, to figure out why different generations have different perspectives and the perspectives that they have. Uh, how did we get here where we have generations that are you know, younger with a different priority? It's not that it's universal that young people have this view and older people have that view, but, but there are tendencies. Uh, there are things that we are more alert to or less sensitive to, whatever. Things change. And I think when we have this discussion, it's important... Um, that that we recognize, you know, when I look at any discussion like this, I look at it from a perspective that that I have from the way I was raised. So, if when we're discussing generations, especially, and it's typically older people that I think want to discuss this, uh, I'm I'm fifty, you know, or someone's seventy, the, the tendency is going to be to want to uh, to bash the younger generations, like you know, you guys don't do like. We want to, so therefore, obviously, it's wrong. I don't think it really accomplishes anything uh, when when people do that, uh, because the the fact is is that first of all, it, it treats them as though they just suddenly spontaneously arrived where they're at without any help from me. Uh, and, and the fact is is that I'm a part of this um, this chain that got there. So so if there is a negative aspect, of course, it is it's it's partly owing to me. Uh, as a, as a part or, or my generation, uh, and and the other thing is that well, another thing is that it doesn't really produce anything. Bashing somebody doesn't really produce anything. And, and thirdly, the fact is that uh, every generation has some positives, things that it is alert to, uh, because of how it got there, that have positive applications. Things that maybe were ignored previously. Now, maybe some of the things that they were in tune to that get ignored now, or it would be things to to pay attention to. Uh, but we all have our own values and 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 ways that uh that our generation is is positive. So um and, and things swing from one to the other. Now as I say that I want to be aware of something I said in the last podcast when we were talking about logical fallacies. One of the things we talked about was this idea of uh, the appeal from the middle or moderation where we say well something is good because it's in the middle. 
Well, that's not really what I'm trying to drive at because if, if we said, you know, uh, the World War One generation was up here and Gen Z is here and, and in the middle, then I guess would be somewhere between those two points. Well, those would have blind spots as well. I don't want to appeal to the middle in that sense. Um, and anything I do moderate, I, I do want to end up supporting, not just arguing that it's better because it's in the middle. Uh, I don't think that that is a, as we call it the logical fallacy. That's a bad argument. So, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that as well. Um, but one of the things uh, specifically we're gonna talk about um, and and try to identify a little bit more clearly is something that younger generations are much more in tune to, and that is something called mental illness. Uh, and and we're gonna discuss that a little bit uh, today. Um, maybe in some cases overemphasized, and that's one of the things we're going to, uh, to address. Not that mental health is, is something that shouldn't be emphasized, but that um, it is maybe overdiagnosed, it is maybe overmedicated in that sense, overemphasized, or maybe the particular types of treatment are overemphasized. That is not my opinion. That is the opinion of a lot of professional people. It is also my opinion, just from observation. Um, and, and so, you know, it's probably, over-medication is probably not the opinion of people who uh, produce and manufacture pharmaceuticals. They probably would not be uh, so opposed to over-medication. But, but I think a lot of other professionals are in the view that, um, that, that we have, we've kind of strayed too far that direction. Uh, and we don't want to go to the you know suck it up buttercup mentality either. Uh, when I but there is again there's this there's a there's a line when I was um oh uh, I should say I when we uh were we were homeschooling we've homeschooled twice we're doing it again here uh but um the our first trip through one of our children uh was having school problems we had tried a lot of different things. Uh, to to get past the the hump of of her education, and uh, so uh, we were having difficulty. And a very intelligent child, just just the particular some particular classes were were very difficult. And uh, so so we're like maybe maybe we need to consider something that's you know it goes against the fiber of my being to to. To just it's just my nature is to want to underemphasize that in reaction to so so I said you know my wife thought we maybe need to get her checked out uh, in terms of maybe she has learning disability you know she's it doesn't mean she's you know unintelligent so we actually talked to a woman who evaluates for the state she follows up one of her duties is I don't know if she still does that now but at the time. She'd been doing it for over a decade, I believe, uh, working for the state of Minnesota and evaluating uh, people who had been, you know, suggested to be looked at by teachers in some cases where they could actually, teachers could actually prescribe medication or, or suggest medication. So, uh, and so she would follow up on those evaluation diagnoses and make sure that they were accurate. She said something interesting to us. 
because we're like, does she have ADHD or whatever? Or what I, I guess I used to call it ADD because that's what it, they used to. They had to add a letter to me and confuse me. But I said, I said, um, is is it possible? She's this is what she said. She said, you know, in my years of evaluating this, I've really only ever found like a few. Uh, I, I can't, I can't, it's been a while since we, we went through this, but I, she either said a few that were legitimate cases or a few that rose to the level of needing medication, whatever it was. Her opinion was that likely after spending a, an afternoon with our daughter, there was nothing wrong. Um, and she just, you know, for, for whatever reason, reason she had a block. Well, you know, flash forward today and, and here, here we are in, in high school and, uh, I mean, she's doing, uh, she she's doing algebra. She's doing factoring equations and all sorts of things. So she she's got no problems, and we never, you know, a, a single pill never went down her throat. So I I believe that she was right. It's it's a little bit over medicated. It's a little bit. Not that there's not a need for mental health awareness, and we're gonna discuss that, but. According to, I went on to a website just to see what what is the prevalence of mental health things because a lot of things I think get thrown under the medical health umbrella that shouldn't be there and that's kind of where we're going to talk about. I think there are issues in society, but a lot of them just get labeled with a broad brush, uh, and uh, or painted with a broad brush as I mix my metaphors, and. The national it's called the National Institute of Mental Health. Uh, had a statistic on their website here, and uh, let me show you that website, um, just a screenshot, that one, if you can read that, one in five people suffers with some degree of mental health. I thought, man, okay, so so if I, I'm trying to process this information. Now, this is official. This is, you know, this is an, a, a professional website. They deal with this, uh, and that challenges some of the thoughts that I have. Uh, some of my perceptions and some of my experiences. So I said, you know, how is it possible? These are just some questions to ask. How is it possible? I, I realized that previous generations probably had a little bit of a blind spot to mental health. You know, we, they, they called PTSD, for example, shell shock or whatever. Just, you know, get over it. Okay. But 20% is an epidemic. Twenty percent of people in in a society suffering from something is an epidemic, especially something physiological, biological. Uh, so I'm not saying that's not a problem, but it seems like that even if you don't know what it's called, you should recognize that twenty percent of people having major issues is a problem in your society. So so that was a, a problem. I had a question that was raised with this statistic. I said, okay, well. How maybe there's a difference then between the generations. Maybe this wasn't an issue back then. Okay, but now we have to go from not being much of a problem in only the last 30 or 40 years. What what could cause such an explosion in mental health problems? I mean, to, to go to one in five, that, that's, that's, a major, that's a major problem, biologically speaking. What could physiologically cause that level of uh, uh, genetic issues in people? So, so I, I, 
so and I'm specifically focusing on mental health as a as a biological thing when we're talking about disorders that we we have names for bipolar or paranoia schizophrenia or various things like that uh, uh, autism or Asperger's and I'm not a doctor I just I know that I know the terms and I've known people that have, have suffered with some of these things so um, so I said well that doesn't seem likely either that that you know, as a as a human race, and specifically as an American human race, uh, that something that drastic has changed in our DNA. Uh, that doesn't seem likely. Again, not a doctor. Just I'm just asking questions. So, uh, so I said, well, maybe there's another option. I always look for it's not A or B. Look for different options, right? We talked about that. A false choice. So I said, well, maybe we're actually classifying things that are under the mental health umbrella that aren't really biological. They're not really medical in, in terms of we're, we're throwing them in that field. And so because you use the phrase mental health, something else is going to be looked at in the same way that we look at, you know, some of these clearly biological things that people suffer. So... Uh, the importance being how we address it. If you label everything as one thing, then the way you address it will be one thing. If you are, if you say mental health equals medication, and we have this big category of things that we, you know, put under the this you know, this big you know broad generalized group, then everything in that group is going to be handled with medication or something similar when maybe not everything in there needs to be handled that way. What other causes could there possibly be? And that's what I want to get into uh, today. Uh, anytime you live the way you're not supposed to live, it causes problems. And, and that's true biologically. That's true uh, in any, any area. I can make you depressed. I could make you severely depressed. Uh all I have to do is make you live a way you were not supposed to live. Uh, I'll give you some examples. Here's a map. I just want you to look at this map for a second. This is a map of uh, suicide. The uh, Just a couple of notes as you're looking at this. The, there's a dark green patch there down the middle. That's actually areas that don't report so so or don't have enough statistics to fill in. So, so just if you kind of don't look at that because it's not really conclusive either way, because there is so so little statistics in, from those counties or whatever, uh, but if you if you look at the remainder of this map, you you'll notice a couple of things. And first of all, what, what I I noticed is you know I went into this with some preconceived ideas. You know, well let let me see what categories are the same. You know, and and I expected to see certain things. And this map does not justify. In fact, I could not come up with a single category that would justify why the dark red areas, which are the high suicide rates, or suicide, it's either suicides or suicide attempts, I can't, I can't remember. So uh, why they would be here, because no category fits. Like, you, you can't delineate any category of people based on this. Um, you know, here we are, there's, there, in, in, in these areas, Right, you have rich people in both rich people and poor be people that will both be in a high suicide rate and a low suicide like part of the country. 
there will be politically left and politically right that are both in high suicide areas and in low suicide. So you can't even, you can't divide it by, you know, all oh, this group is happy because they have the right political view or something like that. Uh, there are religious people in, you, you know, the, the, there's Bible Belt people, there's atheist people, the, like the more atheist parts of the country if you want. Um, or by denomination, even you know, well, this 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 religious group has it together. This, so they're really they're really on top of it. They, they across the board, there's some and and really happy, and some not really happy. It's like what in the world? Uh, there are uh, geographically, there's uh, you know, I always thought well, light well, light does play a factor, and we'll look at that a little bit more specifically, but. But there are warm weather, high suicide, uh, warm weather, low suicide. There's, uh, j- it, there is no category that you can just blatantly say. And, and so what links these states? Um, and, and so if you're listening, uh, the states where there's a high amount of them, uh, of suicide. And, and if you are listening, I would, I'd suggest you maybe uh, go to the video podcast. You'll see the map here. But it's it's Alaska, Idaho, Montana, Oregon, Colorado, Utah, Nevada, New Mexico, Arizona. Then over on the East Coast, just kind of a little, a little spattering, Vermont, Maine, and New Hampshire. What links these? It, it, there's got to be a link. It, it's it's it can't be that randomized because there's these little tracks. It's like a track. You can just follow it all the way down. Uh, and and then you can also see the same thing over on the East Coast. There's this little like hot spot up in the Northeast. What, but not even all of the Northeast. Why do why do Massachusetts and, and Connecticut don't have this? New York again, it's the same thing out there where you don't have the ability to delineate based on any type of thing other than one category. And this is what I saw: isolation. These areas of the country, regardless of any other category of you know personal decisions, life, whatever, they're isolated from each other. And I can get you to depression by isolating you. I don't know if you've ever... I watched for a little bit. I binge-watched uh, like a couple of seasons. Then it got boring. It was the same thing, but the, the alone. And you take these um, <laughs> you take these really manly men, you know, uh, uh, and, and, you know, they hunt and, you know, make some primitive weapon and go hunting and see if they can survive in the outdoors and the... Uh, cold elements and all this it's man against nature and all this right and uh and you see them blubbering like little babies you know a week in if they fail to catch a fish and they're crying and you know what what's gone on what what happened to these people well they're living the way they were not intended to live physically they are living in isolation then we're adding to it and this is where we go back to that map you would notice that the the map has higher concentrations of Within that band of isolation, it gets worse as you go further north where you have more elements. That adds to the problem. It doesn't create the problem. Uh, and, and again, you see that up on the, the northeast. It's the same thing. The more isolated, the the colder you are and the less light you have, which is a very important one, less uh, probably more sedentary, uh, less exercise, things like that. You're, you're going to make the problem worse, but it doesn't create the problem. It just makes it worse. But I can I can I can artificially create that problem by completely isolating you like these people are. They don't need medication. It, it's it's not a biological problem. It doesn't need to be treated like a like a biological problem. It's a it's a it's a choice that they've 
made to live in, at least temporarily, that's that's creating this condition. You take these guys, you give them a blanket, you give them a burger, uh, a bed, you know, give them a friend to talk to for about half an hour, and they're right as rain, right? Uh, they do the little wrap-ups a little bit later, and they don't show any worse for the wear. There's no long-term, you know, conditions. Why? Because it was a temporary condition. As soon as you got rid of the conditions, you got rid of what we would call the mental illness. But everything they displayed, the erratic emotions, swings, and everything, display like a mental illness. But it's not a mental illness. And that's the point, is that a lot of things get grouped as mental illness that, that display like it, but that are not. They don't need medication. They just need a couple of things to address how they are living the way that they're not live, living the way they're des, you know they were designed to be living. So um, if that's true, if I can just illustrate that with you know the physical conditions we live in, then there are other more deeper, more important things. Now, I, I want to try to keep these isolated. Um, be, they, they will overlap. Um, because physical conditions do kind of overlap with, you know, biological. Those are those are related. Uh, but I'm just trying to keep them isolated to, to uh, separate out some of the effects. So let's move on to another one that's a, a little bit more significant, and that is emotional things. When I talk about emotions, um, I'm, I'm separating this from the physical conditions or the effects of physical conditions because some of the we talk about some of the emotional things that are happening to a person isolated in the middle of Alaska hunting for his food. Uh, but I, I'm talking specifically about things that have happened to us. There are I was designed to live a certain way and be in certain conditions ideally, and when things happen to me beyond my control specifically, it affects me emotionally. Um, and there's various levels of things, from, from minor to severe. And so it's going to have minor to severe effects, depending on how, what period of time this occurs over. For, so, so mental, verbal, physical abuse uh, that depresses us. And, and the severity of it, depending on the severity, you will need less of it to get you to that point. You know, if, if, you, if you gave me a really bad insult, you know, uh, one time in my life, it's probably not going to leave devastating effects. I'd remember it, and at the moment in time, I'd get pretty ticked off. But but it's not going to leave depressive mental health, what what people call mental health issues. But the more that occurs, or if it's a, a one or two times event that is extremely severe, then then it might produce like a PTSD or something like that. That displays again like a mental health issue it's not really mental health it's emotional health and we need to isolate those because just like the conditions of of the physical conditions these are things where i'm not living the way i was intended to be living now it's not my fault at this point it's somebody else's fault but i'm still in a situation where i'm not living the way i was meant to be living i'm 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 a kid i'm supposed to be in a nurtured environment someone has me removed me from the nurtured environment and so what I need is not to fix myself with medication, which is happening a lot of times, uh, because teachers have no idea what to do, so they need to medicate or think they need to medicate. The, the problem is, is I need to be removed from that situation or I need to have that address. Someone needs to go to jail if it's really severe or, or something needs to happen to remove me from that situation. Uh, and these things depress me. Uh, these things, uh, you know, 
what we call PTSD. PTSD, for the most part, is probably not going to have biological uh, ir irreversible effects. It might have long-lasting effects, and they, they, they might be uh, impossible to get out of my psyche completely, but, but I can learn to deal with them. Uh, through certain things, not may maybe temporarily, even medication would be something that would be necessary. I'm not a doctor, but I know that this is emotional, and emotional is going to be fixed by fixing the emotional problem. Um, when when I'm not in that situation, I was designed to be in. When I'm in the the structure, we we talk about single parent homes. I was raised in a single parent home. Not going to badmouth my mother. That was just a situation I grew up in. Well, there are lots of different types of single-parent homes. Mine, mine was more stable than most. Had a certain degree of instability, however, even still. Some, uh, you know, there were things that I didn't have as a result of that. That led to there were emotional consequences. Um, and, and so, you know... I had a church that was fortunately we had we had men that were able to step in and and kind of fill in where a, a dad would have done. My mom was busy being a, a a mom and a dad, you know, in terms of providing. Uh, so so there were things that I missed in other areas. They did the best they could to kind of create the conditions for what I would have. Did they do it perfectly? No. Were there effects? Yes. Um, some some single parent homes are are really traumatic because. There are, you know, there's an opening for, say, predators of, of, you know, and I'm, I'm trying to keep this very non-specific. You, you know, you can catch what I'm trying to say. Uh, it leaves you open to anger issues and abuse and various things like that. Your or even neglect because there's lower. It's a lower supervision supervision type of a situation. So these are long-term going to have um, effects. In these homes, you're going to see much more influence of technology because they're not supervised. And so, so now we have other things, other influences coming in. So these have real effects. And for the most part, the, the treatment is not going to be medical, or it shouldn't be. I want to get to another area, uh, and that is spiritual. Uh, I'm classifying this again, even though spiritual have emotional consequences, um, Largely, when I talk about spiritual things, I'm talking about the results of my decisions, things that I can control. Living in a spiritual situation that I should not be giving myself these these conditions. Not living in that is going to have effects. So I might be living with guilt of a past decision. Guess what? Guilt is a, a, a consequence, and it has physical, sometimes even physical effects. Or, or lack of forgiveness for a harm that's done. I know it's like, what are you saying? Someone legitimately did something to you. Yes, and and forgiveness, a lack of forgiveness can can fester inside of someone and, and have physical effects on people. Uh, we develop habits, addictions. Um, we make decisions, avoidance, all the, some of these things that we've talked about in, in previous th things. We, we develop unhealthy relationships to help us deal with these, and, and which only promote further harm. And again, for the most part, these things are not medical. Um, there, there is a opportunity for some of them to, to transfer over into these from any. Uh, we can get into 
you know, the caveat would be, you know, when when we we're dealing with some of these emotional and spiritual consequences, people can use substances to uh, to avoid those or or do other things that require hospitalization, self-harm. So in those cases, obviously, medical treatment is necessary. We're not just I'm not throwing a blanket statement over this and saying, you know, uh, medicine is never needed. There are, in fact, sometimes, you know, if, if you've dabbled into extremely hard drugs, there there might be long-term irreversible physical damage um, that that is going to need long-term medical attention. So so that is a, a, a real thing. But for the most part, again, for the most part, spiritual problems that cause me to live in spiritual, uh, w- with spiritually or, or physically resulting spiritual consequences, are just going to simply need that uh, that way I'm living to be addressed. I'm going to need to address the forgiveness or the conflict between a person or whatever it is, the decisions that I'm making, the addictions. So it's good that we have generations that are more aware of these things uh, because not when we had no awareness, we, we ended up, we talked about a generation that medicated themselves with alcohol. We ended up in that exact problem. Much of society has discounted the need for real spiritual help, however. In grouping these all as physical, we've yielded, and I think Christians have yielded the premise. Uh, well, I can't diagnose, therefore I can't help. Well, I can't diagnose medically, but I I can't, I, I have, if I'm a Christian, and if this is true, that, that spiritual, that these things are different, that they're not all physical, I have the ability to help the vast majority of cases, be it emotional or spiritual, because one of the things that they need the most is an ear to listen to. They, they don't need professional advice and you telling them to do everything. A lot of what people need is simply an ear to talk to. They may need some direction, some advice, but again, if it's spiritual, then I have more, I actually have more credibility. I have more uh, of a, um, I have a better direction for them to go than someone who's going to throw a pill at them. So um, I, I I have that expertise. I have a book that tells people the right situation in which they need to live to best help those types of problems. And really, probably people who live with a biological problem, it's not one in five, it's probably more like one in 20 at the most. I mean, an actual biological diagnosable uh, problem. If you are hearing this, I I don't want you to, to think that I am discounting those people. I'm just saying that they're less they're less likely, less common. Right now, if you call up a professional, you've got a six-month wait because they're so overburdened with things that probably aren't really in their in their category. Uh, suicide. Okay, suicide needs medical attention immediately, but it probably doesn't come from mental health. It, it probably comes from emotional health. It probably comes from spiritual health. There's probably something in there, something they did, something happened to them. Almost always. So, uh, if you if your need is more specifically emotional or spiritual, what you need to do is find the place that addresses that better. And I can tell you right now that 
that uh, you you don't need a six month reservation. You know, unlike medical professionals, you don't need a six month reservation to to go find a church. You don't need a a, a six month reservation to 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 find yourself a, a support group that addresses your specific need, like celebrate recovery if you have substance abuse or. Or like here in Waukesha, we do healing hearts with 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 you know someone suffering with grief from from a spouse loss or a divorce or whatever. There there are those things that that help and address those needs and and don't don't need to get into the the professional help, you know, except in severe situations. So we have an overburdened uh, an overburdened group of people because. Everybody has grouped this into one thing that it probably doesn't naturally um, belong in. So uh, I, I do hope that you um, maybe think of somebody. Uh, and if, if you hear something in here that, that you know, you just say, you know, I have struggled with this. I, you know, I need somebody to talk to. I'm always available to be reached out at. Um, you know, we have uh, there's in our links there's there's ways to get a hold of us. If it's more personal, you probably don't want to leave a comment uh, in in some of the the comments. You can always find me through our website, through our church website. You can email me directly, uh, and um, I advert, encourage you to look at some of our links. Uh, listen, subscribe if if uh, if you uh, if you find this. Uh, kind of meeting some of your needs. And I, I hope that this challenges you to, to think a little bit differently about some of the things that that we are going through as a society and yet still validating the need for this area of our lives. So I uh, hope you have a really good week.